Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. So that guy that's singing that is also the one that wrote it. His name's Jerome J.C. Collins. And he's been doing music since he was in high school. But he was baptized in 2006 to what he calls his second life. Reborn, born again, however you want to call it. He can call it his second life. He has an album out called Second Life. And once he was baptized in 2006, all of his music switched over to encouraging music and lifting people up. And when I heard that, when I was talking to God about what song, and I'm thinking, huh, I'm preaching on generosity. That one looks like it kind of fits. Before I get going here, um, Paul had had a vision when we were doing, uh, doing worship, and he, w- he had seen the, uh, the sun, the moon, and the earth with all the black behind it, but he was saying how the sun gives light to the earth and gives light to the moon. So the, only, the earth gets light, from the sun and from the moon because it reflects off of it all the time. So he said, if we're in here and we turn all the lights off, it's going to be dark. But if we light one match, you can see the whole sanctuary. And when there's two or more of us that are gathered together, it doesn't say he will show up. It says he's there. So it's his light through all of us that's going to shine and light up this world. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, but if you wouldn't have told me, I couldn't share it, though. Um, the other thing I want to just touch on quick is the fast. She'd talked about it, and, I, and it's amazing, but one of the things that Tim Sheets had said in, in the prophetic word that he gave was, there's going to be, in this new year, there's going to be so many changes to some people that they're going to be unrecognizable to who you thought they were. That's how much people are going to change in this year. And I think part of that starts with this fast. That he's going to give you break. He's going to give, like Mark had said, giving you something to possess. That, possess. that possession is knowing who you are and stepping into the words that you've already been given. And we we're talking about this in the Christmas, sitting there and we were talking about that again at the end of the thing. And he just sits there and he starts looking around. He starts smiling. He goes, I see all you guys different already. I'm thinking, yeah. Well, hopefully what I see and what you see are the same. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is it's a life change. This year is really big. Things are going to move fast. Things are going to... So I just wanted to say that starting with this fast and going to him for direction for the whole year is an amazing way to start it. So please consider doing that. Where else? Oh, Chris, if you don't know, Chris and Mika are in Wallace, Idaho right now. Chris went down to... Uh, their pastor was leaving was taking time off, so he was going down to preach. He'd actually originally asked me if I would do it, and then I think he reconsidered because he wants to bring him in a little more mellow than I would, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> he knew that I'd go play a song. Actually, when he first talked about it, he goes, you know, you got to come with something really good when you go down there. And later on, he's like, maybe I should go down and introduce myself before you go down there. I'm like, okay. Okay, I'll let you do that. So that's where they're at. So we prayed for them this morning. Hopefully, they got down there. He gave me a thumbs up. They made it through the snow and everything, so everything's good. 
Um, it's really an honor for me to be here. To have him believe that I can finish off something that he started. And he trusts me enough to do that. That means a lot. So I'm going to do my best to bring this the way he would like it to be finished. Or the way God would like it to be finished. I've been praying for the Holy Spirit to give me... Most of this comes right out of the Blessed Life series like that Chris has been preaching from. So a lot of it is stuff that the, he's put into this. So I'm, a lot of the words I'm going to read because some of the things he has in this book are totally amazing. I, if, you should really get the book and read it because we're just touching on what this guy brings through this. Just touching the top of it. Now Chris has done, a, I, so far has done a great job, I think, of telling you what everything is and how it comes out of the Bible and how it's in the Bible. And he's not telling you, you need to tithe or get out of here. He's telling you it's your choice, but he's just showing you what the Bible says and showing you what can happen if you do it, which I think is amazing. He's not sending you envelopes with an amount on it telling you you need to send it in next week. I've been there. I have been there. And that's one of the reasons I've said in the past why my dad quit going to church because the Catholic church would tell him how much he was going to give by how much he made. And he goes, you don't tell me how generous I'm going to be or what I'm going to give you. But on the other hand, you have to look at the fact that the tithe is God's. That's not ours. That's his. He calls that mine. Bring mine into the storehouses. Because the first 10% is his. And that's what he wants you to do with it. And he wants you to do with it in a place so it can do a lot of work. The first... Uh, so that's a quick review of what he did. I don't have the PowerPoint. I'm not going to go through the six weeks that he's already, or five weeks he's already done this. Other than the fact that the choices, when you, when you start reading this chapter, it was chapter 11, and the first thing that comes on is there's this little story he says, he goes, it's a pastor and a, and a parishioner, and they're talking, and he goes, he goes, you know, he goes, like, that's the parishioner. He goes, you know, I got... I have a real hard time. He goes, you know, when I was only making $500 a week, giving $50 was really easy to write that check and give it to the church. He goes, but now, he goes, I make $5,000 a week. And he goes, it's really hard to write a $500 check. He goes, Pastor, can you pray with me about that? He goes, yeah. So, Father God, would you please reduce his wages back down to $500 so that he can give to you with no regret? He said, of course, that is, it's a joke, but it is harder. And I've heard people say that. It's way easier to write the $5 or $10 check when you're only bringing in $100 than it is to write a $5,000 check if you're bringing $50,000 in. But it's the same. It's still the 10%. And he's going to bless the 90% that's left. Most of what we're going to go through today, he uh, touches on in, in John chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. And I'll read that quick. So six days before the Passover began, Jesus went to Bethany, the town where he raised Lazarus from the dead. 
They had prepared a supper for Jesus. Martha served, and Lazarus and Mary were among those at the table. Mary picked up an alabaster jar filled with nearly a liter, get this, a liter, of extremely rare and costly perfume, the purest extract of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet. Then she wiped them dry with her long hair, and the fragrance of the costly oil filled the house. But Judas, the locksmith, the locksmith, Simon's son, the betrayer, spoke up and said, What a waste! We could have sold this perfume for a fortune and given the money to the poor. In fact, Judas had no heart for the poor. He only said this because he was a thief and in charge of the money case. He would steal money whenever he wanted from the funds given to support Jesus' ministry. Jesus said to Judas, leave her alone. She has saved it for, the, for this time of my burial. You'll always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. Now, I probably read that or had that preached about Mary and the, and the oil and everything and the perfume. But I don't think I really ever read Verse 6, where he's talking about Judas. I don't think that really ever, until he started talking about it, that really other popped into my mind that Judas is saying to sell that perfume so we can do the poor, but really he had no intention. More what he was thinking selfishly was, we can put that money into the money case and then I have more money to take. Not anything about giving it to the poor. That wasn't in his mind. He was thinking, wow, that's a waste of money. You just poured all that money on the ground. We could have done, I, I could have done something with that money. So in this, you can see two different hearts. You can see Mary's very extravagant gift, and you can see Judas's heart of selfishness. One a heart of generosity and one a heart of selfishness. To, uh, to tell you a little bit about, he start, has, has three points about generosity. And the first one is the enemy, the enemy of generosity is selfishness. Because if you're thinking about yourself all the time, you're not going to be generous to too many other people. You're thinking about you, not who can be helped or what needs to be done. One of the things he says is, I think it's kind of cool, he says, the way to remember this is generosity starts with a G and selfish starts with an S. God is generous, Satan is selfish. Really easy way to look at it. And as he says, we're all born selfish, but we're born again generous. He gives a little story about the little story he talks about the, the first word most little kids learn is the word mine. It's mine, mine. And he, he talks about how when you're a parent and all you can hear, you're in your office or doing something or watching something and all you can hear from the other room is, mine, 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 mine. 
So you have to go see where this is coming from. And it's usually a younger child and an older child. And he says, you get to the point where as a parent, you just go, give her the toy. And he goes, but dad, it's mine. Just give her the toy. But one of the things he says in that is, that's what God says. The tithe is mine. He doesn't say you have a choice. He says the tithe is mine for you to bring back to me. Judas was being selfish in wanting to sell the perfume for his own gain, not for the poor. Judas started the saying, sell it and give it to the poor. He was the first one to say that. How many times? I got to be honest. I've said it. In fact, I've said it about my own brother. And I had to really get over myself and say, the only money that I can worry about and the only thing that I can worry about is what I have and what I can do. I would look at my brother who has strived, is a great salesman, has worked his way up, and he makes really good money. And he spends good money. And I would look at him and go, Dude, think of what you could do with all that. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I can't say that. Because that's what he talks about a story where he's got another guy in the car with him and they're driving along the road. And this guy goes, the big house with the pond. And he goes, oh man, if they just sold that house in that pond, think what we could do for the poor. And the guy goes, he passes says to me, he goes, you aren't even thinking about the poor. What you're thinking about is the fact that he has more than you do. And that's usually what you're thinking when you're putting someone else down is they have something that you don't have. And the thing that what happens is if you, can, if you can keep pointing out other people that aren't doing what they are supposed to be doing, then you don't have to look at yourself <laughs> and think about what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, I really had to repent. Even Micah, can, when we first got married, I'd say that because I mean, I'd look at my brother and think, wow, he's got more, more money parked in his driveway than I've ever spent on a house, just with the vehicles. And I'm thinking, dude, what do you, but I kept thinking, that's between him and God. That's not my call. And I don't know how much he gives. I've never, you know, he is baptized. His family is baptized. They went to a really hard time and they all went and got water baptized. They did all this thing. Do they follow him perfectly? Do any of us follow him perfectly? Do I know how much he gives? I have no idea if he gives or what he gives. So how can I be judging somebody for something that I don't even know what they're doing? Because in this, when he's talking about the story, the guy's talking about that house. He goes, you know, that guy's a member of the church and that guy gives more generously than anybody does. So he's not telling you you can't have stuff. But he's telling you to watch who you are and watch yourself and do what you're supposed to do and not worry about what everybody else is doing. Sorry, Jamie, you made it into another one of my sermons. Just in case you watch this, he probably won't, but I'll send it to you. <laughs> Definition of extravagant is someone who has more than you do. That's usually what we think extravagant is. 
Like somebody lives in the extravagant, uh, there was a place from that different place of little was Snob Knob and all those different names you had for the place where the rich people lived. It's when somebody has more than what you have. So, Judas had the money box. He was talking about Judas had the money box. Who gave Judas the money box? Jesus gave Judas the money box. So are you telling me that Jesus didn't know Judas was a thief when he gave him the money box? Oh, I'm pretty sure he knew. Because two years prior to that, he said, he picked you, I picked you 12, and I know that one of you are going to betray me. So he knew then that somebody was going to do it. The thing is, he gave him the box or the case not to fail. He gave it to him for a chance not to fail. To get, it was a test to see that he could do what he was supposed to do. Just like he tests us. He doesn't tempt us, but he does test us. And usually he tests you. If he doesn't test you in an area of your weakness, I can guarantee you there's somebody else that will. And I guarantee God doing it's way better than Satan doing it. And you'll find out that a lot of times your weakness is what you're going to be the best at when you're preaching or in a ministry. Because he's going to help you get through that test and show you how to get through it so that you can help others do the same thing. He's not going to leave you hanging. And he always gives you a way out. Doesn't it say that in there somewhere? He always gives you a way to get out of what any temptation or any test that comes your way. He makes a point, too, that I think is pretty... I don't think anybody in here, anybody, any member in this church would take money out of the offering box. I don't think anybody would do that. I believe that... But... If you're keeping money in your account that's supposed to be in the offering box, isn't that almost the same thing? If you're not bringing the tithe and you're not giving your tithe, then you're not taking money. You're not coming in and taking it out. You're just not putting it in. Like, Ouch. It's awful quiet in here. Yeah. I didn't hear any amens on that one or anything. It's like <laughs> Yeah. He said the only the only time he did have a funny little thing. He said the only time he'd ever seen somebody take money out of the out of the offering is he had a friend that was just new to the church and he was making change in the offering. <laughs> He goes, he doesn't do that anymore. He's a pastor now. <laughs> um, the extravagance of generosity. God gave his son. How much more extravagant can you get than that? There's no way we can outgive him. 
or why you'd even want to try. Because he's the one that's given to us. There's many examples in the Bible of extravagant gifts. Way out there. Um, I'll just name a couple that he named. One of them is that if you went by today's economy, David basically gave $21 billion to build the temple. That's extravagant. I don't think I could have wrote that check. I don't know how many zeros to put on it. The widow's two mites was extravagant because it wasn't about the amount. It was about the attitude in the heart. She was giving everything she had. So it was very extravagant. The other one he talks about is Mary doing the perfume because that perfume costs 300 denarii or denarius, which for her was a year's wages. So can you imagine taking your year's wages, whatever that is, and pouring it on somebody's feet? I don't make a lot, but I can't imagine ever doing that. God, if you want me to, you got to touch me, buddy, because... I'm, I'm like, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I tithe and I do offerings, but, but if you listen to some of the testimonies that I'm going to do here, it is amazing what he can do. And the other thing is, when he said that in, in verse, in uh, John 12, was that it was the, the, uh, his burial for his anointing him for his burial. Well, it was because it was the only anointing he got before he was buried. She did that, and then he went the next day and they went up and they crucified him, and it was too late at night, so they put him into the tomb. They were going to come back on Sunday to, uh, they brought a hundred pounds of spices to anoint his body with on Sunday, and they get there, and he'd already checked out. He wasn't there. They went early and he was already out and gone. So they couldn't anoint him. So that anointing that he got on his feet was the only anointing he got before he was buried. Some of these things you learn. Those are extravagant gifts, but what can you give God that would be, that would impress him? What, what do you think would be something that would impress God if you gave it to him? I mean, you're talking about a guy that paves roads with gold. When the new heaven comes down to earth, all the foundations are made out of gemstones. And the gates are made out of pearls. What do you think you can give him that's going to impress him? 2 Corinthians 8.5 says, they first gave themselves to the Lord. That's what he wants. He wants you. I mean, they tell that story that, that he, you know, the, the guy that snuck the suitcase up to heaven. St. Peter goes, what do you got in that? Unzip that. 
unzips it and it's full of gold bars and he goes, you brought asphalt? <laughs> Thinking that you could take something up there that you could get, you know, yeah. And a verse in the Old Testament says, God rejoices over you. And the word rejoice in that in that he was saying, in that sentence, the word rejoice actually means he he jumps and twirls. He jumps up and twirls around with the joy of you. He rejoices over us, all of us, not just Jim. I know God loves Jim, but God loves all of us. But I think that's an amazing way to go around. If you keep reminding yourself all day long that God loves you, that's an awesome way to be. So I'm sorry, Jim, but he loves me too. <laughs> exactly. So there's three levels. Let's see. Where am I at here? It's like I was saying too, it's not about the amount, it's about the attitude, about the heart. He doesn't have your heart if he doesn't have your money. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. So when he gets our heart, he gets our treasure, which he gets all of us. Chris had touched on this before. There's three levels of giving. There's the tithe, the offering, and the extravagant offering, or as some people put it, the painful offering. The extravagant one is way above and beyond. Um, only between, you know, I'm only just telling, I'm not trying to convict anybody, I'm not trying to say anything. I don't know who gives here, who does what. But it says only between 5 and 7% of people that go to church actually tithe. So for the most part, 95 to 97% of the people that go to church never make it to the first level. The only problem is when you make it to the first level, it takes the curse off your money and then you go to the second and third level without even thinking about it because you're viewing it as his already. You're not seeing it as yours. It just automatically starts to flow. And I can, I mean, we could sit up, I could get Micah back in here, but there is so many things with provision that he's done with us. We, when I had the injury in my neck before he healed me, I had to quit working in the middle of the pandemic. And I came here and started doing all the stuff at the church, which didn't pay anything at the time. But he got us through that time. Micah had enough. We had enough provision. We made it through that without any problem. Now there's a point where Micah stepped away from the insurance and she's looking into some other things. He's given me a job. That's enough to carry us through, to cover everything. We tithe religiously off of what we bring in and try to give more where we're at. Special offerings to different people or to different things. The one that I... Micah said I could share this one. Last week, when he, he, two weeks ago, I think it was, he was talking about if there was somebody that you had that, that you thought you needed to give money to. Chris was up here, and I can't remember exactly how I worded it. It was somebody that you, you felt like you should give something to. Well, Micah had been praying about wanting to go skiing, and we, she doesn't want to 
use money that we have to do that, right? Because we're, we're not, we're a little tight. Not really. I keep telling what you quit worrying about it, but she didn't want to use anything to make sure we had enough to cover the bills and do everything. So somebody actually gave her a hundred bucks, wrote her a check, gave her a hundred bucks. So she goes, okay, God, so where should I give this? What should I do with this? And he goes, weren't you just praying about wanting to go skiing? And she goes, but, but it's a hundred. He goes, put part of it in your gas tank to go up to ski and go ski. So that's what she did. He's right there to meet us if we're willing to do it and to help us do the things that we want to do. Because that's her happy place. <laughs> she can go up and swoosh around the mountain. I go up and fall down and hurt myself, but she enjoys it. And I go up with her because she enjoys it. I don't mind it. I just have a body that needs to last longer. And when you're, you know, 14 years older than your wife, you got to take it easy when she can go play and I'll just watch. So, oh, and the other thing is, when you do the tithe, just give the tithe. Don't designate where you want it to go. Because if you're designating where you want the money to go, you're controlling it. You're trying to control it. And like he said, there's people that have... People with a lot of money. I mean, he's got a big church now. Gateway Church is, is big. But he, he said there's people that will come in thinking that they can buy him. If I give you this, will you do that? He's like, no, I will not do that. If you want to give money, you give money without strings attached. Now, there's differences, and I can see we're building funds and things like that. I get that. But that's an offering. That's above the tithe. People will do that. And I can honestly tell you that I did designate money. When I came... Here, I had a house over in Montana. I finally got it sold after I'd been over here about a year, and I tithed off the sale of that house. And I, I put it in here, and I separated it into different ministries in this church that I thought needed money. Now, and it also says that when you do that, you don't let everybody know what you did. So the only reason I'm telling you this is because I had no idea this is what would happen with the money. Part of that money I put was between $800 or $1,000 I put into kids' church. Because at the time, Mike and I were doing kids' church, and I knew there was no money in there. So I put some in there so it would be stuff for supplies. Well, that ended up being almost all of the money that paid for that swing set and that play yard out there. Over half of that money came from that money that I put there. I had no idea that was going to happen. But I can tell you what, that has been a blessing for the kids, for the for the homeschool kids, for all the kids that use that. So you never know when you give what it's going to do or who it's going to touch, but that's the way it should be. You're giving to give. You know, someday God will probably ask us to do an extravagant gift. He talks about his, uh, he's now his financial guy at the church. His name was Steve. And Steve... <laughs> Got done paying his bills one Saturday and, and decided, he goes, look, there's still money in the account. I wonder how much money I actually have. So he adds up the money in his savings account, the money in his checking account, the money in his retirement account. I mean, he adds them all up and gets his total of how much money he actually has. He'd been in business for 15 years. He didn't know any mortgage. He didn't know anything. They were in no debt at all. 
So he wanted to see what he had. So he does that. And then the next morning when he's in his quiet time, God goes, uh, can you give that to me? How much money do you have? He's like, well, what do you mean? How much do I have? You mean in my pocket? <laughs> in, my, in my checking account? And he's like, no, I know you added it all up. He goes, how much do you have? He's like, well, why? It's like, will you give it to me? And then he thought, yeah, I will, because the Lord asked me. So he did. Him and his wife gave everything that they had that was a liquid asset. Cash, the bank, the, the savings account, the checking account, the retirement account, everything that they could do, they gave the whole thing away. I don't know what the total was, He'd been in, in business for 15 years and it took him 15 years to get to that point, to have that money saved. And within one year from when that was, God goes in his quiet time, he goes, hey, how much money do you have? Because I'm good, God. I don't need to know how much I have. <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. You're doing good, we're blessed, you're good. He goes, no. He goes, I want you to check and see how much money you have. So he went back through all those accounts and every account was more than double it had been the year before. More than double. He goes, he goes, see, I can do in one year, more in one year than you did in 15 years. And honestly, he could do it in a day if he wanted to. Rewards of generosity. In Mark 14, 9, it says, I promise you that as this wonderful gospel spreads over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will be mentioned in memory of her. That was the widow's mind. She's in the Bible and everybody hears about what she did. That is her reward forever. Just because she put those two mites in there, he rewarded her by everybody knowing what she did going forward. So he's going to reward us, but how is he going to reward us? Everybody's thinking, well, you know, he's going to give me all this money back. Well, that's not always how it happens, but he is always going to reward you because God cannot not reward you. God rewards you. God is love. God cannot not love you. God cannot lie to you. God is not a liar. He's going to reward you for what you do. And then he goes on to say, why did Mary give such an extravagant gift? He said, because two weeks before, He'd raised her brother from the dead. Generosity lots of times comes out of gratitude for what's been done and what he's done in your life. So look in your life and see what he's done for you and give out of your gratitude for what he's done. I mean, if, if God raised my brother had died or one of my family had died and he raised him two weeks. You don't think I'm not going to be gratitude, have gratitude for him raising him from the dead and do everything I can 
to see somebody else get the same thing? Like I said, you don't know what this money goes to. We don't, I mean, we give to all these different, different ministries and missions, but we don't know exactly how it's going to be used or what it's going to be used for. It could be raising somebody from the dead somewhere that we don't even know about. I mean, we give to Nicaragua. I mean, it's destitute down there. And if, if what we're doing feeds somebody and keeps them from dying so we don't have to be raised. That's what we're doing. But you have to give it not expecting to get something back. You don't give because you want to get. Selfishness gives expecting a return because you're thinking about yourself. Well, I'm going to give this money because he's going to reward me and bless me. He will reward and bless you, but it's not because you're thinking he's going to do it. He's going to do it because of who he is. God will always give us more than we give him. Rewarding you. He rewards your honesty, your honesty, your attitude, and your heart. Just like Ananias and Sapphira were doing the holding back part of it, but telling everybody they did. It's like, you don't think he doesn't know that? God will give us more than, like I said, more than we give him. God rewards us with himself. All of us. Take all of him and involve yourself. Don't take the part you like and give the part you don't want. Take everything he's given you and give him everything you got. He already knows it's there anyway. And give him the crap. Give him the ugly. Give him the, he's ready for it. And he's ready for you to fill up with him instead of having that junk inside of you. That exchange that needs to be made. He affects every part of your life when you let him in. If you let him all the way in, he will affect everything that you do. Everything. He tells another story about a single mom. He was going through this and doing this tithing. Same, probably the same one we're doing because he's done this. He wrote the book on it and he was talking about this single mom who he had given the, the illustration of, you know, if you have make $1,000 that you give 100 for tithe. And she was there that weekend and she'd actually made $1,000 a week. First week she'd ever made $1,000. And so she goes to write this check for $100 when they're doing the offering or doing, and uh, she's starting to write it $100 and God says, write it for 120 I want you to do a tithe and an offering out of this. She's like, but God, doing the hundreds a stretch, 
what do you mean 120? He goes, just trust me. So she wrote the check for $120 and put it into the offering. The pastor that, that does this, Morris, he goes, as he's telling this, he goes, I'm going to tell you something that not all of you know as we do this. He goes, so there's this guy in our church that gives out $100 bills. Carries $100 bills and, and he gives them out to people when, and he's told the congregation about this, you know, the guy that gives us $100 bills that the God leads him to, that he'll just give out $100 bills when God tells him to. So this, God is, this guy is leaving the church and he sees this lady and God goes, you need to go give her $100. So he starts to pull the $100 bill out and there's a 20 right next to it. He goes, give her, give her the 22. And he goes, but God, I give out $100 bills. I don't give out $20 bills. He goes, just give her the 120. She'll know what you're doing. So he literally handed her 120 cash after she'd put a $120 check into the offering. Now, as he's telling this, he's talking about that night they had their daughter and son-in-law over. And there's other, you can, if you watch some of his stuff, his daughter stepped away from the Lord for a while, but she came back and she talks about how she'd left and came back. And, and he said, so we're in there. And he goes, we get done eating. And, and she goes, dad, I need to talk to you. So they go into the den. I don't know if I'll be able to get through this. Got me when I read it too. They go into the den and they start talking and she goes, that guy, dad, that gives $100 bills out. She goes, that's you, isn't it? And he stands there for me and he goes, yeah, it is. So then he stops and he goes, tells the congregation, he goes, okay, I haven't lied to you. There is a man in this church that gives out $100 bills. I just didn't tell you it was me because I didn't want it to be about me. So she said, he goes, so how, why do you ask? And she goes, because I can remember as a kid, every time we'd leave church, We'd go get in the car and you'd go talk to somebody and you would hand them something. You were giving them a $100 bill. And he goes, yeah, I was, because God told me to do that. And she says, stops and she looks at him and she goes, Dad, I want to be like you. And he stops and he goes, there's my reward right there that my daughter would want to be like me because I'm following what I'm supposed to do that God tells me to do. I'm like, wow. Oh, okay. Bring this to a close here so I don't bawl everywhere. I'll just leave you with some points to ponder on this whole thing. One thing is it's your choice. You got to go with your heart. It's God that you're you're talking to. Not anybody here. You don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks. Go to God and see what he wants you to do. Generosity is extravagant. Souls are the treasure, not the money. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart and the attitude given it. And God has a purpose for every gift that's given. I'll just have you stand. 
We'll do just a little activation here. I just want you to stand there and just, just act like you're pulling your chest open. You're pulling your chest open. And now, God, I want you to replace their heart with your heart. Completely. Every part of it. I know there's parts grafted onto their hearts that they think they've taken everything in from you. But I want you to completely change their heart for you. Completely fill them up with your heart. And change who they are and what they see. So that they see with your eyes, hear with your ears, they have your blood coursing through their veins because you've completely changed their heart. I want you to close that and stitch it together. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.